Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 412 of the Juicebox podcast. Think of today as a pep talk for Thanksgiving. Today, we're just going to talk about how Arden is going to manage on Thanksgiving Day, which, if I'm being honest, really is about how we manage every other day, just that people seem to get very nervous around these holiday situations. And I understand why. There's probably more grazing and snacking. There's also a lot of variables in what you're eating. We'll break it all down, talk about how I'm going to attack it, see if you can't find some good ideas in here for yourself. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan, becoming bold with insulin, or stuffing your turkey. And that's not some weird euphemism. I actually think when you stuff the turkey, you can like mess it up and cause a problem. Is it trichinosis? Botulism? Uh, botulism. That sounds like something to do with a can. All right, so before we get to everything else, let's just figure out what undercooked poultry does to you. Uh, I'm looking. Hold on. Cooking your stuffing in the turkey. They're calling that a mistake to avoid. I can tell you personally, I used to put my stuffing in the turkey, but it slows the cooking time way down. It doesn't allow an even heat to go through the bird. And I don't do it anymore. I prepare my stuffing. I actually make it by hand. I bake the bread. Uh, I tear it up days in advance, let it become uh, stale almost, and then combine it with a whole bunch of different stuff. Not the point. I make my own stuffing. Make the stuffing. And then I put it in a pan and bake it in the oven. Because I found when I put it, the stuffing in the bird, took too long to cook. And I wasn't getting a cook through the way I wanted. So now I'm drying the outside of the turkey to cook the internal portion. What? Hold on a second. Uncooked. I know we'll get to the rest of it. Just give me a second. Turkey causes. Wow. Raw and undercooked meat and poultry can make you sick. Most raw poultry contains. Wow. Campylobacter. Campylobacter needs a better name. It also may contain salmonella, clostridium perfrigens, and other bacteria. Raw meat may contain salmonella. E. E stands for ew in this situation. How long does it take to get, I'm falling down a rabbit hole here. How long does it take to get food poisoning from Turkey? 12 to 72 hours. The symptoms usually last around four to seven days. Wow. Cook your Turkey. You know, poultry has to be cooked to 165 degrees, right? Hold on. Turkey done hundred percent, right? Yes. 165 degrees. A whole turkey is safe when cooked to a minimum internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit, as measured with a food thermometer. Check the internal temperature in the innermost part of the thigh and wing, and the thickest part of the breast. All right, there's our little turkey tutorial. Ooh, I just found the name of the episode by mistake. Turkey tutorial. That'll be fun. All right, I'll do that. Let's talk about some other stuff. Everyone freaks out around holidays. Oh my God, we're going to be snacking all day. There's food in the house. There's bowls of food on the cabinet. There's grazing. I hear you. Maybe this COVID Thanksgiving might not be exactly the same as most, but still, it's here, right? You're going to get up, have a breakfast. There's going to be a big lunch or a big dinner, grazing in between, pie, I'm assuming, cookies, a gluttonous extravaganza. Here's how I think about a meal with insulin. First, I wonder, how long does it take for the insulin to start working? 
how long until it affects the blood sugar, and how long will it last in the body? That's my first thing. How does the insulin work in Arden? First thing to consider. Second thing, what is Arden eating? Carbs. How many? Yeah, that's easy, right? You count the carbs. Everybody's like, no, no, it's not easy, Scott, because stuffing, and it's pretty easy. You know what I'm saying? Handful of stuffing-ish is probably a piece of bread and a half something. You got to you gotta wing it a little bit. Just I didn't mean wing it because of the turkey. You got to just kind of like roll with it. You got to look and guess, be kind of aggressive. But still, the most important thing here is pre-bolusing. Getting your insulin in and working so that it can time itself up with the impact of the food. So what we're talking about here is timing. So that the insulin kind of comes online at the same time that the food comes online. Meaning while the food is pulling up on your blood sugar, you want the insulin to be pulling down. You want them to get involved in a tug of war that no one wins. That's how you keep a stable line. You know, when you see people's lines are super stable on their graphs, but they have food in there and they're like, I bet you can't find the bagel. You know when people do that. Um, Hold on, water. I'm sorry, I've been sick. How do you not see the bagel on the line? Is because that as the food impact is trying to push the blood sugar up, the action of the insulin is trying to pull it down. And so it just creates this stability. No side is winning the fight. So you have to pre-bolus your food. You can't let the carbs get ahead of the insulin. To understand pre-bolusing better, you can check out episode 217, Diabetes Pro Tip, Pre-Bolus. Now the next thing to consider is the impact that the food or the drink you're having is going to have on the system. And it's not as easy as saying this is 10 carbs because 10 carbs of Hawaiian punch will impact your blood sugar differently than 10 carbs of macadamia nuts. I don't know how many carbs are in macadamia nuts, but imagine you've eaten 10 carbs of them. The punch will hit you quickly and harsh, right? Your blood sugar will shoot straight up. While the macadamia nuts, which by the way, I've checked on, and one cup of whole or halved macadamia nuts have 19 carbs. So if you have a half a cup of macadamia nuts, which is probably what, like a handful, you've got 10 carbs. But they're not going to hit with the same exuberance that a simple sugar like a juice would. So keep that in mind for a second. You have 10 carbs worth of impact on your system. If it's something liquid like the juice or something sugary, it's going to happen very quickly. So you need the insulin to be working when the Hawaiian punch goes in. I have no idea why I picked Hawaiian punch. I've never drank Hawaiian punch in my life, nor do I know anybody that drinks it, but that's not the point. The point is you may need a longer pre-bolus so that you can match the action of the insulin up to the impact of the Hawaiian punch. Now for something like the nuts, you might be able to bolus for the carbs, wait a couple minutes and start eating. Because as the insulin slowly comes online and begins to work, the nuts are slowly coming online and trying to push your blood sugar up. Now, the key around these bigger days, I think, is understanding there's going to be a mix of foods, a mix of impacts. Pumpkin pie is sugar and milk, right? There's like like milk in it, I think. So there's some fat, but then you have the flour from the pie. So you have two different impacts. You have the sugary filling impact and the carby flour impact. Same with a cherry pie, apple pie, sugary and carby at the same time. It's not dissimilar to Chinese food where you'll get the slower carb impact of rice, 
but the quicker sugary impact of some of the sauces. So imagine that for pumpkin pie as an example, you'll need enough of a pre-bolus that you'll head off the sugary spike, but you still need enough insulin over the timeline that the pie is going to impact your system to keep down any slow risers. So there's two things in there, a more fast acting carb and a more slow acting carb. If you're pumping, you may use an extended bolus, a bolus that would put in a portion up front and drag the rest of it out over time. I'm also a big fan of manipulating basal insulin. Top line idea being that if your basal is set to keep your basic body function stable, and now all of a sudden you're adding a whole lot of carbs over many, many hours, it's reasonable to think that the basal insulin you're using on a normal day might not work as well on a carb heavier day. To learn more about temp basal increases and decreases, go to episode 218, also part of the Diabetes Pro Tip series for temp basal. While we're at it, you're going to want to look at episode 263. It's about how fat and protein impacts your blood sugar, two things that you don't think of as being impactful on your blood sugar, but they are. Fat slows down digestion, slower digestion, lengthens the time that the carbohydrates impact your system. And protein, as your body breaks it down, your body turns protein into, anybody? Glucose. And glucose is, anybody? Sugar. And sugar makes your blood sugar go up. So all those proteins, people are like, those are free carbs. Those are free carbs. Mm, Are they? Diabetes Pro Tip, episode 263, fat and protein. Some people who are on MDI, multiple daily injections, who are injecting their basal insulin and not manipulating it with their pump, find on days like Thanksgiving that a little extra basal might be the way to go. The idea being your basal insulin, again, is only supposed to keep you stable, at a number and stable. So if you're super stable all day without food and your blood sugar is 200, my opinion, your basal is not strong enough. But if you're super stable all day at 95 without food, basal is probably right on. But what if you put in a tiny bit extra? It would be holding your blood sugar down a little farther. But if you're planning on grazing all day and eating, that may again be necessary. All we're talking about is manipulating the insulin to put it where you need it. My goals during the day are really simple. Yours should be too. I'm trying to maintain the steadiest blood sugars as I possibly can, and I want to avoid spikes and significant lows. After food, I don't want Arden's blood sugar to go over 140. And in a perfect situation, I'd like Arden's blood sugar not to go below 70. But, you know, if it hits 65 for a second, it's not the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. I follow a few rules around this. First one is, it is far easier to stop a low or falling blood sugar than it is to return a high blood sugar to a safe range, right? So stop a fall with a little juice, get it leveled out, start over again, or have a 300 blood sugar that you're fighting with all day. Which scenario would you rather be in? For me, I'd always rather be on the other side. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make a low blood sugar. I'm saying that they're easier to fix without a rebound. How do you stop a high blood sugar from happening if you've messed up the bolus? Well, I'd look into bumping and nudging a little bit. That's going to be in episode 225, Diabetes Pro Tip, Bump and Nudge. 
Basically, the idea is this. I think of type one management as driving. There's lines on either side of the lane, and I'm trying not to leave the lines. That's why I have my daughter's Dexcom CGM set at a high alarm of 120, a low alarm of 70. If she should drift under 70, we bump it back up with a little bit of juice. The idea being the less you use in carbs, the less likely you are to overcorrect up. So I'd like to know sooner so that I can kind of bump it back up. Same thing with the high blood sugar. Getting over 120, nudge it back down again. Again, the idea being the amount of insulin that it takes to turn a 120 that's rising into a 90 that's stable is far less insulin than it would take to turn a 200 into a 90. And, you know, once you start getting up 150, 180, 200, you start using more and more insulin, which eventually causes a low later. And then should you misaddress the low, now you're on the roller coaster and you're up and down. So I like keeping what feels like tighter tolerances so that you can just make small adjustments to stay in your lane. Over time, that turns into better bolusing, better correcting. You just get better at it in general. Before you know it, you don't really leave the 70 or 120 or whatever range you set. That's been my finding. If you're interested in learning more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There are links right there in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Now, I think it's important to remember to bolus for what you're eating, but all of that infers that your settings are good to begin with. And for many of you, this might end up being your Achilles heel. What do I mean? Well, many people I find have basal insulin that is not well dialed in. So either your blood sugars are always on the higher side and you're making these very aggressive boluses at meals because you don't realize it, but when your basal's off, well, then your meal bolus is off too. Here's what I mean real quickly. Let's say that your basal insulin should be one unit per hour, but you have it at a half unit per hour. That means that every two hours of the day, you're missing out on a unit of insulin. So if you're at a half and you're really a one, you're 12 units deficient over a 24-hour period. So you're trying to make that insulin up somewhere. You're very likely making it up with your meal insulin. So if you're not using enough basal, you probably think you need more for your meals than you actually do. Meaning if you had more basal, which would hold your blood sugar lower and more stable, you would need less insulin at mealtime. And vice versa. If your basil's too heavy, you're probably one of those people who's like, oh, I barely use any insulin at meals. It's because you have so much basal insulin going throughout the day. You're basically feeding the basil to stop you from getting low. Does that make sense? And if that does make sense to you, but you'd like to learn more, check out episode 237, Diabetes Pro Tip, Setting Basal Insulin. So back to my original thought here. You need to put insulin in for the food you're eating. If you eat something at 9 a.m. and then at 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. and then again at 11.45 a.m., these things all need to be covered by insulin. Now, if your settings are right, then put what you put in at 9 a.m. is for that food. What you put in at 10 is for the next food, etc. and so on. But if you're too aggressive with your meal insulin, meaning your settings are way off, maybe what you put in at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. was too much for that. So you're thinking, oh, the, the thing at you know 11.30, that's free. Eh, it may be, but it'd be better to just get your boluses down better so that you can continue to bolus for the things that you eat. That becomes very important on days like today while grazing's in line. 
Because what happens is you start thinking, oh, I have enough insulin for that. Then you don't. Then your 100 blood sugar turns into 150. You're like, it'll come back down. And then it doesn't. You have to bolus for what you're eating. My opinion is to stay aggressive with the foods that you're eating. Keep after them with insulin. And if you do cause a low later, well, lucky you, it's the most foodorific day of the year. There's something to eat. Again, I'd rather be on the lower side than the higher side. And you might be thinking, Scott, that's stacking. My doctor told me never to stack insulin. To that, I would say it's only stacking if you don't need it. If you do need it, that's called bolusing. If things do go wrong, please do not throw yourself into a tizzy. Don't start yelling about diabetes being unfair and you always knew this was going to happen and falling into the drama because the drama stops you from learning the lessons because everything that happened is right there in front of you. You can see I bolused here, then this happened. I wanted that to happen. Next time I should bolus a little more or a little less or a little sooner or a little later. You don't want to give up the lessons. They're hard fought, right? And you don't want to keep having to have them over and over again just to learn them. So get rid of the drama. Try to figure it out. You can do it. You can absolutely do it. Make your best guesses about carbs. Keep in mind that potatoes are going to hit a little more substantially than, I don't know, green beans, right? Green beans still have carbs in them, I think. Green beans, carbs. I don't really eat green beans. Hold on a second. Yeah. Green beans have carbs. A cup of green beans has seven carbs. I don't really count carbs, actually. I just sort of guesstimate the plate. Um, and you probably can, too, if you have enough, if you have enough um, you know, time in the simulator and you've really been able to figure it out. You just sort of look down. You go, I'll tell you right now. Here's how I do a plate. I go, potatoes, 30. Piece of bread, 20. Turkey, eh, 10. Eh, beans, 10. What do we got here? Cranberry sauce? I don't know. A little bit of it. Five. I just roll like that. I just bang, 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 bang. Insulin goes in. Good pre-bolus. Get a good fight set up between the food and the carbs. And then correct on the backside if you have to. You may have to correct with insulin. And you may have to correct with food. I'm not sure. But sitting around and waiting and crossing your fingers is not a good plan. I would much rather punch first. That's sort of how I think about bolusing. Because when, this is a, um, a sports metaphor, so I'm sorry if you don't get it right off the bat. But you need to dictate the pace, right? You come out swinging any way you want to think about it. You act first so that the next thing that happens is because of you. Because at least that you can measure, right? When you cover your face and you're kind of hiding and you're just hoping not to get knocked out, you don't know what's happening to you. You don't know why your blood sugar is doing what it's doing. But at least you can say, you know what? I had an eclair. I thought it was 35 carbs. My blood sugar went to 200. And later I had to correct with another unit. So next time I'm going to get that unit into the original bolus. I'm going to say, I guess that eclair, maybe it is 35 carbs, but it punches like it's 45 carbs or whatever. You know, your numbers may vary. But the idea is there. I learn from that. I move on. The next time I have an eclair, I do a better bolus job. That's it. Get out, be aggressive. Don't be scared. Do your best. Test, if, especially if you don't have a Dexcom CGM. Test, use your meter. My daughter loves the Contour Next One meter, and you can learn more about it at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. 
But that's how we roll. Arden pumps. I should have said that up front. Arden has an Omnipod. She's had an Omnipod since she was four, and she is 16 now. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to learn more about Omnipod, you can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, and Omnipod would be delighted to send you a free, no-obligation demo pump. You can actually try it in your home. See if you like it. But that's beside the point. I digress. You have to do what you have to do. Whether you're on MDI and you're going to be a little more aggressive with basil for Thanksgiving, or you're on a pump and you think to yourself, yeah, this is the second day of my Omnipod, but my site's starting to get a little funky, so I'm going to change my insulin pump the night before Thanksgiving, so I have a nice, fresh infusion going on Thanksgiving Day. Those are the kind of little things you can do to prepare. From there, don't get behind, because when you start chasing blood sugars, it takes a special kind of ninja level to crush a high, bring it down, and get it stable again. So as corny as it sounds, you'll never get high if you don't get high. Make sure your basil's right. Learn your pre-bolus times. Understand the differences in different glycemic loads and glycemic indexes of foods, i.e. how hard and how fast they hit you, and go for it. Test when you need to test. Be ready, but don't let it ruin your day. You know what I'm saying? You can have a good day too. And if you're catching this one the day before Thanksgiving, you're like, well, this would have been helpful last month. The podcast is always here for you. We'll get it. Let's get it together for Christmas dinner, right? It's doable. It's very, 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 very doable. For perspective, my daughter's A1C has been between 5'2 and 6'2 for almost seven years. She has no diet restrictions. Her blood sugars are very stable. Her time and range is excellent. She has the consistency that you want. And the only thing I know how to do is use insulin. Everything else is extra. There's a ton of variables. Don't get me wrong. A lot more than what we spoke about here today. As a matter of fact, in episode 231, diabetes pro tip variables, we talk about a lot of them. We talk about a ton of stuff, how exercise impacts things. And there's no doubt that it'll take time for you to understand all the variables in a way that's actionable in the moment, but it is incredibly doable. So if this is your first time hearing the podcast, I hope you jump into those pro tip episodes and see what you can figure out. They're all available at diabetesprotip.com or right here in your podcast player. And if you're a longtime listener and you're just looking for that pep talk for Thanksgiving, go get at it. You can do it. Oh, you know what I should say? If you're going to have time around family and friends who don't understand diabetes and you wish they understood it better, episode 371 explains type 1 diabetes to an outsider. Maybe then mom will understand why you're a little agitated because all the different pies are coming and nobody told you how many carbs are in them and et cetera, et cetera. All right. I really enjoyed this. I hope you have the happiest of Thanksgivings. I know you can do this. And if you need help, check out the private Facebook page for listeners of the podcast, Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes. There are over 7,000 people in there talking about management. And if you have a quick question, I can't think of a better place to ask. I want to thank the sponsors, even though there weren't really sponsors on this episode, but I slipped them in. You know what I'm saying? The Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. You can get a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your home by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. You can learn more about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor at dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You can also get yourself a Contour Next One blood glucose meter, which is the easiest to use and most accurate blood glucose meter that I've ever used for my daughter. ContourNext.com 
forward slash juice box. Add your voice to type 1 diabetes research with the T1D exchange. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. That's for U.S. residents only. You know, I cook every year at Thanksgiving, and the one thing I can't figure out is how to make gravy myself. I am bad at it. I know it's something to do with the drippings and flour, and there's whisking involved, but I just can't do it. I don't know what your plan is this year. I'm going to actually smoke a turkey, a smaller one in a pellet grill, and make a smaller one in the oven, baking two birds. I'm trying to cook two birds with two ovens. That didn't work. Um trying something new but didn't want to mess up and have everybody be like oh great this sucks so i'm gonna double up on the birds this year and see which one flies (laughs) that was a terrible joke mashed potatoes i'm great at gonna be some yams beans vegetables cauliflower uh making some fresh bread like i said earlier i make the stuffing myself learned it from my grandma i hope you have a great day too no matter what your tradition is i think you can do this I swear you can. Let me just leave you with this. If you told me I could, in two sentences, explain diabetes on Thanksgiving to you, I'd say, get ahead and stay ahead. And then if you didn't cut me off right away, I'd say, you have to get your basal rates right. You need to learn how to pre-bolus. And please understand the different impacts of different foods. That's really the basis of this. That's enough to get you through tomorrow. And those pro tip episodes... They'll teach you the rest. Thank you so much for listening. Have a happy Thanksgiving. There's a lot more coming on the show between now and the end of the year. I actually have a doctor coming on next week who is so well-versed in treating thyroid issues. I just recorded with her today. It's a it's an absolute joy, a treat you're going to love. And uh, you know what? I might as well say here, all the sponsors are back in 2021, and I'd like to thank them. Dexcom, Omnipod. Contour Next One, Touched by Type One, Givo Kypopen, T1D Exchange. Their support allows the podcast to get produced the way it does. I'm sitting in front of a microphone the day before Thanksgiving recording this for you because this is my job. And I get to have this amazing job because you guys support the show and your support leads to ad support. And ad support pays my bills and then I get to sit here and do this. So it's a circle of life kind of a situation. For everyone except the turkey.